Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 50, The Importance of Grazers. If there's one thing we know for sure about climate change, it's that it's changing everything. When flowers bloom, when birds return, how warm the water gets, when ice forms, if it forms at all. Climate change in the intertidal zone is no different. Warming climate means change to ocean productivity, and thus changes to the plankton community that so many suspension-feeding invertebrates rely on. It also means warmer water for longer, changing organisms' abilities to compete with one another for critical resources like space and light. It also means higher peak temperatures, which could fall beyond the physiologic tolerances of certain members of an ecological community, effectively removing them from the population. When things are this dynamic, it can be hard to keep track of the cause and effect around changes that are seen in ecological communities. A group of researchers in British Columbia investigated this and published a paper in 2017 that sought to tease out the various influences on how intertidal communities respond to climate change. They created artificially warmed microhabitats in the intertidal and then allowed them to develop semi-normally over 16 months the exception that they controlled which motile invertebrates were part of each community, particularly animals like limpets. And they found some pretty interesting results. Apparently, when herbivores like limpets are present, intertidal communities appear able to resist the disruptive effects of warming, like reduced biodiversity. What this hints at is the idea that grazing herbivores are the boss that they exert some outsized role in the composition of intertidal communities, which is a lot of responsibility for a limpet or the periwinkles we find in such abundance on our coast. What researchers have found, however, is that grazing herbivores keep algae in check. They keep it from taking over and growing on every available surface, which is a good thing if you're a barnacle and you need somewhere to land and stick and grow for the rest of your life. If you're a baby barnacle floating in the plankton, you need to settle in a spot on a hard surface. If you can't find anywhere, you'll die without ever getting to grow up and become an adult barnacle and become food for a predator. So too much algae harms the predators too. Herbivores eat enough algae, especially when it's just starting to grow on rocks, to clear space for other organisms to settle and grow on the substrate. When we think of a forest, we think of something called old-growth forest as being the ultimate ecological nirvana to aspire to. It's what ecologists call a climax community, and it has achieved near-mythical status in the minds of some nature lovers. And old-growth forest is pretty awesome, to be sure. But some communities are more dynamic. The intertidal zone is one of them. An old-growth forest in the intertidal zone might be a relatively homogeneous algal-mediated habitat that has overall low biodiversity. The work of the grazing herbivores serves to keep the community from ever reaching that climax state, continually opening up new habitat for a diversity of organisms that could not survive in a dense algal forest. And if we've learned nothing else from ecological studies, we know that diversity is good for communities. The more diversity, the more resilient they are in the face of environmental change or challenge. A lesson we humans could stand to learn from, don't you think? This has been episode 50 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Check out photos of intertidal herbivores on our Instagram. Search at The Essential Rhythm. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week.